Well, it's so glad to have you guys here and to see your beautiful faces this morning. Um, welcome to Center Point Church, Kent Island. If this is your first time here in your program, you should have received a um, connection card. And inside that program, please fill out the uh, connection card. Give us as much information about yourself as you would like. Uh, on the back side of that connection card is also any prayer requests. If you're a member here or a visitor and you want prayer, uh, please fill that out as well. We'd be more than glad to pray with you. And as the offering buckets go by um, after the end of service, drop that in the bucket, and we'll carry on from there and just pray for you and love with you and connect with you. Um, if you're coming here uh, for the first time or you're just, you've been coming all this wonderful life of yours, we're starting a new series here. It's called uh, Good to Great in God's Eyes. This will be our summer book reading. We're going to be doing messages from this book for the next couple of weeks, dealing with each chapter in this book. If you don't have this book, I would really suggest you get it, not just to follow along with us, but for your own spiritual uh, growth. Um, if you're somebody who kind of does a lot of driving, you're not into books like that, go to Audible and download the book as well and listen to it on your ride into work or working out or whatever you're doing. This is a phenomenal book by Chip Ingram. We're going to deal with a chapter each Sunday as we go through this book entitled From Good to Great in God's Eyes. The whole concept of this book is really saying, <clears throat> how can you and I become um, great? Not by the standards of, of the world, not by the standards of bank accounts, not by the standards of, of this and that, but by the standards of God. How do we move from being good in those areas of life to being great in God's eyes in those areas of life. And if we are doing great in God's eyes, then we're doing tremendous things in life. And so I really suggest for you guys to get this book and to follow along as we kind of share from this book. We're going to ask that you would stand and honor God's Word as we go through Philippians chapter 4. And while you guys are flipping and going through there, I'm going to pray for us real quick. While you're standing, you can go through your phone or your app. It'll be on the screen as well. Father God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our ears and our mind to receive your Word to receive your truth. Father, we'd walk these words out and live out your ways. It would be honoring and pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Philippians 4, verses 8 through 9 reads like this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Amen. You guys can be seated. We're talking for the title today of From Good to Great in God's Eyes, and the title that we're focusing on is Think Great Thoughts. Let me say it again. Think Great Thoughts. You guys with me? Come on, say it with me. We'll say it in the same rhythm. Think Great Thoughts. One more time. Make it sound like you love it. Here we go. Think Great Thoughts. Thoughts. What we're dealing with in this particular uh, sermon that we're dealing with today is thinking not good thoughts, not thinking okay thoughts, but thinking what? Great thoughts. How do we get to getting to great thoughts? I want to show you this picture on the screen for a second, um, in a second. Yeah, there you go. Keep living. There you go. Bam. Now, a lot of you guys see a lot of different little things going on there. What I want you to focus in is on the sparkler. Do you guys see the sparkler? This is an example of how our thought life is. There's a whole bunch of different thoughts running through our mind at every moment, and our job is to bring our focus on the one main thought that's going to cause us to deal with life in a certain kind of way. You can grab one of those lights back there, and you can think about how much you don't like life. You can think about one of these lights about how much you don't care. You can think about life of how hungry you are. You can think about life of how much you want to buy that new outfit. You can think about, you can think about me shutting up so we can hurry up and get out of here because it's kind of warm. You got all these thoughts are running through your head, right? 
But we have to bring our thoughts to this one singular idea, and that is the thought that we live out for that moment. Life is like this in a lot of ways. There are a lot of thoughts going off here, there, 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 there. But what we want to do is begin to bring our thought onto a good, great thought. And so out of the, all these thoughts that are running through our head, how do we bring ourselves to the sparkling bright idea of a great thought that is a great thought that honors God? This book that we're dealing with is going to talk about several ways of how to build up that thought process. But before we do that, we have to look at the Scriptures, Philippians 4, 8, and 9, because it says in there that we are to fix our thoughts on a list of things that are honoring to God. And if we use those lists of things that are honoring to God as the backdrop to how we do life, then life should be what? Great. You guys with me? So before I can give you these six principles of, of what great things we should focus on, I want you to understand Scripture and understand the backdrop to what everything should be marinated in. I'm sorry, it's, it's getting cooking time. I'm sorry, I'm marinated. Oh, it, should be, it should be saturated. There's a more spiritual word. Saturated in all of this kind of scriptural context that allows us to train our thoughts in a certain direction. And so I want to share with you a couple of these verses or a couple of these ideas in this passage of Scripture before we can talk about cultivating how to grow these thoughts to stay consistent, we first need the blueprint. I want to give you Ephesians 4 through 8 right here on the screen, these first four things. It says in Ephesians 8, it says, fix your thoughts on what is dot, dot, dot. It doesn't say, quickly grab a hold of. It doesn't say in Scripture, um, snatch up real quick. It doesn't say in Scripture, while you're perusing, go ahead and, and put your hands on this. It says to literally what? Fix. To put your focus not on everything, but on that single, sparking, amazing, God-ordained thing. I want you to put all of your concentration in this. He says, I want you to think about whatever things are true. Not true by the circumstances that life says that are true, but true based upon God's Word and His principles. Not true based upon what Oprah says or what the radio station says or what, is it based upon God's what? Truth. If it's based upon God's truth, then put your mind on it, fix on it, lock on it, uh, grab into it, hunch onto it, hold onto it, grasp it. He says, I want you to fix on those things which are true, which means it's absolute pure truth, not the world's truth, but God's truth. Oh, it's going to be tough today. Here we go. He says, whatever is honorable. He says, things of great character. I want you to fix yourself on things of great character. A lot of times we put our emphasis on the character of somebody looking, um, what we consider character, strong and handsome and good looking or beautiful and, and amazing and flowing hair. We put all of our, our fixtures on these external characters, but is the context and the core of the person's character stand out and dynamic and amazing? Does that character look like Christ? A lot of us want to look like the, the brand new rapper. We want to look like the brand new TV star. We want to look like, you know, a Kardashian, if you got that much money. You know, whatever it is, we want, to, we want to do all this stuff. We want to look like somebody or something. But God says, I want you not to focus on how they conduct themselves, but as their character being conducted by Christ. Whatever things are true, while you try to build your lifestyle and your mentality of who you think you are or who you want to be, does it align up with their character or God's character? 
In fact, Paul says in one passage of Scripture, he says, follow me as I follow Christ or as I imitate Christ. In other words, he says, follow me because I'm walking in the character of Christ. Are the people you're following, the people you're Instagramming, the people that you're following on Twitter, the shows that you watch, the coworkers that you deal with, are you hanging out with them, following with them because they, they show the, the character of Christ or just like really cool character? All right, let's move on. Um, he says, focus, he says, fix your thoughts on those things that are right. Those things that are, are divine and that are humbling and that are submissive to God's truth. Are you focused on things that are humbling to God's truth? Those things that are righteous and pure. Not because it seems right at the moment. Not because your feelings should be justified because somebody said something to you and you respond however you feel the situation justifies. No, 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 no. Can you respond in a way that shows the righteousness of God and the truth of God, even though you may not feel like it? He says, what's pure and clean? Can you fix your thoughts on what's pure, what's clean, what's perfect, what's holy, what's out without fault? Can you? Like when I watch my TV shows, am I so engulfed in, in the TV show that I forget Christ's character? I mean, I know if I was Jon Snow, he probably should have dealt with uh, uh, her a little bit different. Nobody watched Game of Thrones in here. It's just me. Praise God for the four in the back. I know that I should probably deal with this. Like when I'm watching that show and I'm relating to that character, where is Christ in the middle of me relating to this character? Have we put ourselves in the shoes where we say, if that was me, I would, or would you say, I understand where they're coming from, but that's not quite Christ. I get the entertainment, but it doesn't become me. It doesn't change my fundamental principles, thoughts, theology. It doesn't change my beliefs. Let's move on. It says, continuing 5, 6, and 7, it says, fix your thoughts on what is lovely. Are the things that you think about, are they pleasing to God? not pleasing to you, to your flesh, to your wants, to your wills? Are they pleasing to God? If God was in the room with you or was sitting on your shoulder or riding in the car with you, would he be pleased with that? Is that lovely to the Lord? Somebody honestly answered, no. If you were riding in the car, if God was reading through your text messages, woo, if God was searching through your web browser history, would he be pleased with what he sees? And the answer for me, just like you, is no. But we want to strive to get to a place where God is being represented in what we do. And so our thought process, our life is on what is pleasing and loving to the God, to the Lord. It says things that are admirable, morable, morally acceptable. They show a picture of excellence to God. It says excellent and praiseworthy. Are what you're talking about, what am I talking about? Is it something God can be blessed from? Does God find enjoyment out of it? If we're gossiping and talking about people, is God getting enjoyment about that? And all this talking about people that we're doing, all this information, let me share with you what happened. Let me tell you about what they said. Let me tell you about what they did. After you did all that talking, did you and your girlfriend, your best friend, your crew, uh, the wine table club, did any of y'all sit down after all of this talking and pray for them after you discussed all their issues and failures and faults? Are we too busy complaining and grumbling and mumbling instead of sitting down and talking about, God, these are all the issues. Let's pray about it and let you, let you fix it because you're the God of the universe. The things that come out of your mouth, are they praiseworthy? Why do we need all seven of these things? Because we can't do these next things unless we understand the backdrop of Scripture in Ephesians 4, 
8 through 7. Because, because Chip Ingram wants to share with us, and I want to share with you, six ways to cultivate, to grow great thoughts. There are six ways to grow great thoughts. And the only way we can grow these great thoughts successfully is we have to remember this scripture, Ephesians 4, uh, 8 through 7, because that is going to be how we build these great thoughts. Here's the first thing Chip Ingram says, and the first thing I want to share with you. Point number one, think great thoughts about God. Think great thoughts about God. It sounds kind of silly, but my mom watches kids. She watches about eight to ten kids every day. This lady comes to pick up her kid who's about seven months old. I happened to be there. I was grabbing my kids, and um, my mom watches my kids too, and those aren't even part of the, the eight to ten kids that she watches. But I'm here to grab my kids from um, after school or, or after the school, and so I'm here to get them. And so the mom, you know, you ladies wear these new kind of stretch pants things, so she doesn't have any pockets in her stretch pants. So she takes her keys, and she puts her keys in the car seat with the baby. She grabs her bag. She puts um, her bag on the floor in the car, and then she puts the car seat in the car. And as she turns around, her elbow hits the door. To, it closes it as she reaches for the bag. She realizes she doesn't have the bag because the bag is in the car. As she turns around, the baby at the same time presses the car keys. Bloop, bloop. And so at 87 degrees outside, at 542, and the sun beaming in this baby's face, she can't get in the car. I grab every handle. Uh, my dad's grabbing every handle. I take a shirt that I had in the trunk, and I put over the back seat of the window so it blocks some of the sun from the baby. The baby is now starting to cre- uh, scream and holler, and it's starting to sweat. And this young little baby is only seven months old, and it's burning up on the inside of the car. And we say, all right, let's call the fire department. My dad calls the fire department. The fire department's on the way, and we're trying to tap on the glass and keep the baby calm. And she starts saying to herself, I can't believe I did this again. What she says is that someone just broke into my car last month and stole my car. They gave me a rent-a-car, and I wasn't used to the way that the doors locked, and so I put the baby in the car seat, and, and somehow I locked the baby in, and the fire department came, and they were able to open the door, and this is the second time this happened. What is wrong with me? And then she begins as the fire department comes, and they can't. They try to jimmy into her car, and because the alarm goes off, it has a default system. So now the doors won't unlock even when they're in there tapping on the door. And so now she's starting to tear up, and she's saying, this is just not my my month. Maybe I'm just cursed. Maybe I just have bad luck. And the fire department says, ma'am, we got to break your window. And she's saying, I don't have another $250 I just paid to get my car back before. Bam, and they bust her window. They reach in and grab the baby and give it to her. And my dad and I sweep out all the glass, and we cut our hands up trying to get every little pebble of glass out of her car. We're laying down towels. And all I can hear her saying when she's on the phone with her husband crying is just saying, I can't believe this is happening to me. I just, my luck, I just, I just don't feel like doing this anymore. Because her thoughts had gone to a place that the God of the universe is still not sovereign and amazing and loving and kind and gracious even in our bad moments. In order to live a successful life, in order to think great thoughts, that even when life is tough, even when life is hard, even when life is challenging, God is still great regardless of my circumstances or situation. Regardless if I'm happy, whether the car's been broken into, God is still the God of the universe. And some days I may get extremely frustrated, sad, angry, mad, depressed, but he's still God and he's still good and he's still able dot, 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 whatever your dot, dot, dot is. 
And in order for you to be successful, in order for you to be great, you have got to remind yourself whatever things are true, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, that this is the backdrop that regardless of circumstances, I will focus on the Word of God which says that He is true, He is pure, He is lovely. Even in my moments when I don't feel loved or I don't want to love, He is still great. To think great thoughts about the Lord, because if you can't think them about God, if you can't think, you're going to have a horrible vision for the rest of life. If you can't remember that He's worthy to be praised, even in moments when you don't feel like it. If you don't remember that He's an awesome and amazing God, even when life sucks at its worst and most horrible moments, husbands are right, wives are right, kids are acting right, finances are right. If you can't view Him and experience Him and understand that He's still great regardless of, It's going to be hard to look at those things that frustrate you. Number two, think, think great thoughts about yourself. Remember, I told you, she, she's sitting there, she's saying, I can't believe this. I'm so stupid. I don't know why I did this. This is the second time I've done it. I'm a horrible parent. Like she starts there, and then she goes into this is a bad day, bad luck, uh, 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 nobody likes me, something up there is, not, is going, going well for me. So she starts off with me, 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 and then she ends up going to God. But in reverse, we're going to talk about if we don't think great thoughts about God, we'll never get who God is. And if we don't think great thoughts about ourselves, then we will never, ever be able to succeed in life. We will never be able to understand that God thinks amazing thoughts for us and has great plans for us. In fact, there's a passage of Scripture in John 10, 10. It says, I know the thoughts I have for you. Excuse me, John 10, 10, which says something. I had it in here in my notes. <sighs> Man, he was so excited. All right, we'll come back to that in a second. He says that you have to think great thoughts about yourself. You have to think that you are, that you are successful, that there's purpose for you. There's life for you, that there's reason for what you are and who you are and what you do. You have to think great thoughts about yourself. You have to realize that God put you on this earth for a, for a purpose. That the God of the universe hung his son on the cross to what? Die for everyone else but you? No, but you and you. And if he thought enough to sacrifice his son for you, he definitely expects great things for and from you. And so because life is tough right now, doesn't that determine this is the end of my life? This is how life is supposed to be. Life sucks. Life's horrible. That's it. No, God says, I have great thoughts for you. I have great plans for you. And he says, I want you to start thinking great thoughts about yourself. If you feel like you're overweight or you're not healthy or, or you're bold, I'm just naming all my stuff. Um, <laughs> whatever. Um, your car isn't nice, whatever it is that you think that you want to list or name that isn't great about yourself, remember that God has thought great thoughts about you because he puts you on this earth to do great things. And so great things mean that you are expected, that he desires, that he believes that you're going to do great things. And so living down here is not where God has called you to live. But the only way you're going to start making that move is you have to start thinking these great thoughts about yourself, that you are important, that you are significant, that you are somebody special, that you do have a purpose. He says, think great thoughts about the God of the universe and think great thoughts about you, that the God of the universe has created you for something special. Here's something that's going to be really difficult, point number three. Great, think great thoughts about others. Man, I don't like others sometimes. You know those others. Those others are tough. I don't like them. They're not great on my job. And that great laying next to bed to me sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, just those others. I don't like the others. 
those other people, those other coworkers, those other family members, those other friends, them other kids, just others, whatever others you want to use and talk about. And God says, you need and I, we both need to start thinking about great things about others. Why? Because the God of the universe, let's reverse it for a second, didn't come just to save you. Ooh. But he came to save all of the world. He gave his son to save all of the world, so clearly God thinks highly about other people as well. They may be nasty and mean and cantankerous. They may not be obedient. They may not listen. They may be foolish or foolhearted. Uh, guess what? Somebody feels the same way about you. And somebody prayed for you, and somebody is praying for you, and somebody is believing that God's going to do great things in you. And sometimes people make prayers that are general prayers that, God, would you change the heart of all mankind? And you fall in that bucket. So you and I need to start thinking great thoughts of others. I believe that you can do more. I believe that you will be more. I don't feel like it doesn't look like it, but I believe that God can do and will do if you let him. Think great thoughts about others. Number four, it says, I want you to think great thoughts about life. Think great thoughts about life. We have this saying in our house. Now, whether you believe in tattoos or not, that's a you problem. Look it up in Scripture. I don't know. There's certain passages, Old Testament, looks like Jesus rising with a thigh tattoo in Revelations. I don't know. Look at it. Check it out. Everyone's like, oh, is he going there today? I am going there today. We have this wonderful phrase in our household. It's this weightism. And this weightism that we have in our house that I'd like you to adopt in your house is don't let no's define you. Got it? Don't let no's define you. Let me say it one more time. Don't let no's define you. I mentioned this to you because one of my kids, when they get old enough, they said the, one of the first tattoos I'm going to get is my weightism. Don't let no's define you. I am dyslexic. Me, Pastor Brian, me. I am dyslexic. I have a hard time when it comes to reading stuff, watching the words. They move around on, on the paper or whatever. They get flipped. They get backwards. It takes me a long time to read, but I put all this stuff together. I had a 1.67 in 11th grade. My parents asked me, what was your plans for your life? It was either barber school or the military. Those are my answers. I was horrible in school. Not because I didn't understand the information. It's because they wanted me to read stuff and transfer it from the board to the paper, and there was way too much going on. I just got frustrated all the time. And no. I told them, in order for me to go to college, I'm going to need some kind of aid or assistance doing the SAT test. And they said, we can't read you any information on the SAT test. So I went to University of Prince George's Community College because you don't need to take an SAT to get into community college. Are you guys with me? And somewhere around my 11th grade year, at my worst GPA, my mom started to pray and pray and pray for me, stuff I didn't even know. And one day, and I've told the story a little bit before, I opened up the King James Bible that she had, and it made sense to me. All the they's, this, thou's, this, and saith, all of that made sense to me. Arkin now, brethren. I don't know what a brethren is, but it's just, just, it started to make sense to me. Like the toughest translation of Scripture uh, for, for us in English made sense to me. And God's Word started to make sense to me. And I now have a job where every Sunday 
I have to be able to share God's word, which is written word, to people in a way that communicates information to people that they understand God's word. You don't understand what I'm saying. I'm probably the worst by, by, by thought process, the worst person to, to translate written stuff and express it to people. You guys with me? Because by my, by, by my, by my, by my physical disability, I am limited in how I'm supposed to be able to read things because of how I visually perceive it. But somehow, God said, I'm going to use all of those issues and open up doors that you can be successful. And 90% of your job, which is based around reading, is going to be you articulating information through stuff that you read, which you shouldn't be able to do. It's not about me at this moment. What I'm sharing with you is don't let no's define you. That because no, it's hard to read in, in elementary and middle school and high school. No, it's because I don't really get the information. No, because I get frustrated in life. Don't let no's define you because the very no that says I should be dealing with nothing that deals with reading is what I do every Sunday, and I love it. The thing I hated the most is what I have fun about the most. Reading his word, understanding, watching the light bulbs go off. Don't let no's define you. Expect from this life great things. Why do I share this story with you? Because my greatest frustration in life is now my greatest success. And if I can take my greatest frustration in life and turn it into my greatest success, why can't you? Think great thoughts about life. I won't let these circumstances, these situations define me. For every no, there's a yes. For every no means that's not the door. God opens another one. Think great thoughts about life. Life is hard, and life is frustrating, and life is, is difficult, and life has lows, and life comes with divorce, and life comes with separation, and life comes with death, and life comes with heartache, and life comes with dreams that are not seem to be answered or fulfilled. It doesn't mean that just because that moment in life was a big no for you or big disappointment means that life is over or that life has defined you by that no. I refuse to live a life of no. Scripture says that many are called, but few are what? Chosen. Every time I read, oh, every time I read, I think to myself, many are called or few are chosen. I don't know if this is spiritually right. You guys just hang in there with me. I don't know if this is the right way to think. But I think that I will be chosen. I want you to listen to me. Many are called, and God says he puts the call out to everybody to come to Christ. He says, but few are chosen. There are few that he recognizes, he believes that those people have something. He says, many are called or few are chosen. I believe in my mind, and I don't know if this is scripturally right, and I don't know if a pastor should probably say I don't know if this person is right, but this is what I'm going to tell you. I have decided that I'm going to be chosen. Regardless of whatever it's going to be, I'm going to be the chosen. You got that? If there are 55,000 of us in a room, I'm going to be one of the few that's raising their hand. You may have picked some other folk, but you're going to see me, Jesus. Me, hello, Brian Wade, I want your attention. I want, I want to be chosen. I don't care about, some folks may have already been chosen. I'm going to fight to be chosen. Man, it's tough, Tony. So watch this. Um, I asked somebody, 
I like, I like to use my kids for an example. This guy right here, um, we have several schools that were looking at him for football. And so one of the things, he found this shirt, and it's a Superman shirt, and sweats, it's like an Under Armour shirt, so it's Superman, and he looks really cool in it. And I said, wear that shirt every day you go to work out. You ever see any pictures, pictures on Instagram or Facebook that I do? You always see him in this full same outfit Superman shirt. Why did I have him wear the Superman shirt? Every workout. Now, he found the shirt. He picked the shirt. He loved it. He wore it. I said, wear it every day you go to work out. Every place that you go to work out at, every, every track, every field, every uh, combine, everything, wear that shirt. Wear it every time. Why? So that's your football clothes from now. Wear it. Why? Because after a while, people kept saying, who is the kid in the Superman shirt? Y'all with me? And they said, listen, last week there was this kid that was, that was doing some crazy stuff on the bags that looked super amazing. He had a Superman shirt. I don't know, if, I don't know his name. I don't know if he's going to be there next week, but just if he maybe come back again. And what did he wear in every place that he went? The Superman shirt. So they identified him as the kid with the Superman shirt, and every school started asking about the kid in the Superman shirt. Zephaniah is nine letters. It's a long name. We call him Zeph. Some, some of the coaches, hey, I'm not going to remember your name, but I'll call you Z. Superman shirt, kid named Z. And every kid, every, every coach started talking about the kid that had the, Z, the Superman shirt on. Because I said, if you're going to be chosen by these schools, you got to stand out, not just on the football field, but when they come back next week, they got to talk about you. They got to start thinking about you. You got to be like, there's a big, tall kid, uh, Superman. I don't remember his name, Superman shirt. And so now he has been chosen by several schools because he's made it his, port, his point to what? Stand out. If you're going to do great things in this life, if you want to think great thoughts about this life, then you've got to position yourself to what? Stand out. That I'm not going to look like everybody else. I'm not going to dress like everybody else. I'm not going to carry my marriage the same way everybody else does. I want a marriage. I want a money. I want success. I want life in a way that exemplifies and looks like God. I'm going to think great thoughts about my life. Because whatever's true, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, I'm going to live that out. I'm going to process that as my everyday diet, and that's going to be the life that I live, and that's great life. And I believe that many are called or few are chosen, but when God sees us living a lifestyle that reflects his truth, reflects his love, reflects his purity, reflects his righteousness, where we are honorable in how we deal with people even when they are mean and nasty to us. We are respectful when they are disrespectful, when we are doing truth even though there's foolishness all around us. God can't help but to smile. Man, I'm preaching today. Oh, yeah. Point number five, think great thoughts about your past and future. Think great thoughts about your past and your future. Your past is how people say you will end up being defined. With me? Your past is how you will end up being defined. Cheated on your wife, you're going to always be known as a cheater. If you're an alcoholic, you're going to always be known as an alcoholic. And they say to us that we have to learn how to deal with life outside of these realms. So we have, we've been defined by our past history, and now here we are living this life, and we just got to walk around with this title. You got me? Jesus says that I redeemed you from your life and your past, that you would have a new what? Life. 
He died on the cross that he would wash us of our sins and that he would say, listen, that old life and that old man has passed away and that there is new life. So in Christ, there is a new life in him. So regardless of what my past may have said I was, it does not determine who I am because I am new in him. Anything that's in Christ is a new what? Creation. He gives us new grace and mercy every day. So why can't we walk in a life that is brand new and amazing and embrace that life? Why can't we say, this was my past, but God has taken it for great? Why do I let my past define me when I should simply say my past was my past and it was an old story, but this new life of Christ is a brand new definition of who I am? And so I can think great thoughts because I can say to everyone in the past, I know you felt hopeless, I know you felt trapped, I know you felt alone, I know you felt miserable, I know you felt horrible, but there is something new in the future. Won't you join me in the present so that we can find this new future? Why won't you say, listen, I've done these things in this past, but this past doesn't define me. This past is just a chapter in my book, and my book is not closed. My book is continuing. Let's move on to what? New and better future hope and life. Sorry you smoke drugs. Me too. I'm sorry you went to high school and college. Me too. Sorry you got, you know, whatever. Not me. Somebody else in here can say, me too. <laughs> me too is not the end of your story. Me too says I was there, but God dot, dot, dot. I'm not going to let no's define me, and I'm not going to let my past define me, is that I am just this one singular thing. I think great thoughts because if it wasn't for my past, I wouldn't understand how great I am with the God of the universe. Nobody else has that testimony. Man, nobody else has that story of, man, I remember what life was like before I knew how not to talk without cursing. Still had a cursing crowd. I'm sorry. I'm using another example. Man, I remember what it was like before I understood how to be obedient or how to love or how to be respectful or how to be responsive to people. I remember what it was like when I didn't have a relationship with my father and my mother because we were just such animosity towards each other, and now we've moved forward. Like, don't let your past be your past. Think great thoughts about your past, that I used to be this, but now I'm that. That past helps me understand how I'm able to share God's word and his truth with people. Think great thoughts about your past and your future. There's still great things to come. And lastly, think th great thoughts about challenges. Think great thoughts about challenges. These challenges in life are not the end with all. These challenges make you stronger and make you bigger and make you better. I look forward to challenges. I don't like them. <laughs> I don't like them, but they give me an opportunity to be defined. They give me an opportunity to be better. They give me an opportunity to be more than what I was. It shows me where I'm weak and how I'm going to be successful. Challenges are difficult. Challenges are hard. A lot of times challenges are unexpected. There are health challenges, there are physical challenges, there's mental challenges, there's emotional challenges, there are job challenges, there are relating to people challenges, there's your marriage related to spouse challenges. There are challenges in everything that you do. 
Here's what's really funny. Watch this. Ready for this? Here we go. So when I got to go to work, and then they do construction on the road, and I realize that I'm supposed to be working at 8.30, and now I get in at 8.45 because of construction. That's a what? Challenge. My supervisor says, I understand they've done construction on the road. I need you to get here earlier. Uh, I'm supposed to be at 845. Well, you need, I mean, 830. You need to figure it out. It's a challenge. Kids can only go to school at a certain time. I can only wait till the doors open up before I can drop them off. I can't drop the kids off 25 minutes early. Like, you know what I'm saying? I got to change my whole everything. It's a challenge. Who wants to wake up four kids and get them dressed and get out of the house 15 minutes earlier? I don't. <laughs> but guess what? I want that paycheck, I'm going to answer the challenge. I want that paycheck, I'm going to put in some more self-disciplines. If I want that paycheck, if I want to bring home that bacon, then I got to respond to the challenge. The challenge now means that I am more organized at home. I am more organized Monday through Friday, which happens to spill over into what? Saturday and Sunday. My mentality is we got to move faster. It's not the weekend. It's just another day. We got to get things going. We got to get things popping. Let's go. What's dressed? Are clothes ready the next day? Boom, 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 boom. And so the areas where I was slack have now become better because of the challenges of going to work Monday through Friday with construction. Is everybody with me? The challenge could be a huge frustration where some coworkers saying, well, they're just going to get an hour leave because I'm 15 minutes late. I got hours of leave to give you. Sorry. But I do have the ability to change on my end what I need to change to meet the challenge. And all of a sudden, that challenge has now made me better two more days on the weekend. You can look at challenges as the most painful, most, most frustrating thing in the world, or you can look at a challenge as an opportunity to find a way to grow and be better and be successful. God gives us challenges to stretch us and to grow us. He also gives us challenges to frustrate the hell out of us. Take that how you want. But if there's foolishness within us, he gives us challenges to get it out. He challenges us to make us what? Better. And so I want you to think great thoughts about challenges. Every challenge makes you better if you let it. Here's your takeaway. If you didn't get anything I said today, nothing I heard, Write all this down because it's amazing. It's amazing. Here we go. Here's your takeaway. Wrong thinking leads to negative emotions, which leads to unwise behavior, which leads to what? Devastating consequences. I'll say it again. Take pictures of it too. It's great. It's up there on the screen. Wrong thinking leads to negative what? Emotions, feelings. Negative emotions and feelings leads to unwise behavior. Unwise behavior leads to disastrous consequences. Nobody ever has an affair in the first five seconds. Nobody. Look at me. Nobody. It takes time to go down that rabbit hole. Might take a night, it might take two months, but it takes time. It starts with this thought, and it moves from this thought to emotion, and this emotion shoots up this unwise behavior, and inappropriate behavior leads into what? The affair. Talking deep stuff today. 
wrong thinking. I know I should spend my money on this, but I really want that. This, that, this, that, this, that, this, that. And after a while, it moves into what? My emotions are saying that I really deserve, that I want that, I should have that. What about me? It's my time. Everybody else got their stuff when I'm going to get my stuff. And so we go from here to there to unwise behavior to a brand new car you ain't tell nobody about. (laughs) I got a brand new car note. And nobody knew about it. Surprise, husband. Look good for me. Got a brand new bike. Surprise, girl. Hop on here. Come on. Figure it out. Leads to this destructive consequence. It's the same principle. Whatever things are true, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are right thinking leads to positive emotions, which leads to wise behavior, which leads to fruitful consequences. When I plant and work on the things that are right, ultimately my behavior, my emotions, they all start to go down a path that is right, and ultimately it brings me fruitful consequences. Think great thoughts. You think great thoughts, you cultivate these great thoughts, by taking Ephesians 4, 8, and 9, and letting that be the foundation of everything we talked about cultivating today. Your thoughts about who God is, who you are, how you view other people, how you view your life, how you view your past and your future, how you view your circumstances. When I take God's word and I say, regardless of whatever other thoughts, whatever other feelings, whatever other things are going around, this is my baseline, Ephesians 4, 8, and 9. I'm going to fix my thoughts on these things, and then I'm going to grow these areas of my life. This is my conclusion. Oh, my. This is my conclusion. Here we go. There is a song by, um, last name is Spotterford. We'll just pretend that's his name. I'm pretty sure that's his name. In, in the 1900s, somewhere around there, Great Chicago Fire loses all of his businesses. This fire comes, Great Chicago Fire, and destroys all of his businesses. He decides that he's going to finish his business adventures at home in Chicago. He sends his wife and his children back to England. And as they're going over the sea, the ship where his children are sink and go down into the bottom of the ocean. And they send this information back to him that now he's lost all of his businesses. He's lost his home in Chicago fire. And because he sent his family ahead of him to get to England while he finished up business, now his family has died. And he hops on the ship, sorrowful, going back to England. And he gets to the spot in the ocean where his family has passed away, where his daughters and his sons and his children have passed away. And he sits down in his ship, in that ship, and he writes one of the greatest hymns that have ever been written in Christianity song. It is well with my soul. You guys are familiar with that song? It is well, it is well with my soul. It's because he views God on such a higher level that he's still able to think great thoughts about the God of the universe when he's lost his money, his homes, and more importantly, his family. And he can do it over the most toughest moment in life, over the biggest challenge of his life. He writes this song that we sing in hymns and still know to this day, 
it is well with my soul. How do you say it is well when I've lost everything? Because he thinks great thoughts about God. He thinks great thoughts about himself. He thinks great thoughts about everything. He thinks great thoughts about challenges, that it is well even when it doesn't feel like it. And because he decides to think great thoughts, it brings forth this fruitful consequence that everyone that knows Christianity to some extent has heard this song, has heard it hymned, uh, hummed, sung, whatever. It is well. In fact, we'll say it sometimes in our most frustrating moments, and we don't even know the rest of the verses. We just say, it is well. Why? Because one dude took a moment to think great thoughts in his worst moments, and it brought forth fruitful consequences. I don't think you all have lost as much as that man did in such a short time. But I believe we can still sing it as well. We can still say it as well. I believe that thinking great thoughts changes our lives. As the band come up and we get ready for communion, let's pray. God of the universe that is powerful and that is mighty, that loves us when we are unlovable, that watches over us in our highs and our lows. Let us remember how amazing you are, how fantastic you are, and how much your love is for us. Let this be the day we begin to think great thoughts about all the things that we've looked at funny or that we feel are meant for us. Let us remember that you have great plans for us, great things in store for us. And regardless of what the world says, regardless of what that inside voice inside of us says, let us think great thoughts. Let us drive and push to the God of the universe that we would think great thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.